the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show, the Wednesday edition of the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions, life questions, pretty much whatever's on your heart and mind. And by the way, I know this is going to be a great program today because one of our seven-year-olds was the designated prayer today, and he prayed a perfect prayer, not just for me, but for all of you as well. So all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app, you can send them to us. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just one button call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time for the main number, 340-9585. Because it's Wednesday, a couple of things. First and foremost, Paul is going to be live in studio tomorrow, ladies. It's uh, the day that we set aside especially for you. Uh, if you need encouragement, you have any questions that Paula can help with, uh, she will be here tomorrow on the Date Day Show. Uh, on Wednesday, because it's Wednesday night tonight, I'm going to be um, teaching from Isaiah chapters 2, 3, and I hope 4. It's all one sort of vision, and I'd like to get it done, but that's a lot of material, so sometimes I just talk too much. But uh, that's tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Let's get to some questions that have been sent in while we wait for phone calls. The first one comes from uh, our email inbox from John. Uh, He says, as it relates to the building of our current border wall situation, should we put any stock into the meaning of Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse 19b? On the same topic, I think that verse 14 of the same chapter rings true. John, let me say that uh, Proverbs is just conventional wisdom. It's a book of of, uh, Hebrew poetry. Uh, and, and I don't think we should put any stock uh, into anything that Proverbs writes about as it relates to a current event. Uh, it's easy to do so. And the principles work spiritually. The principles still work in this world personally. But uh, to, to think that Solomon was writing something that would apply to our border wall situation, I think is sort of really stretching things. And I'm not fond of doing that because people, uh, especially when it gets into prophetic writings, they, they have a tendency to read the, the paper with one hand, the Bible with the other hand, and try to put the two things together. And I think that's always true. Now, having said that, let me read to the audience what uh, Proverbs seventeen nineteen says. It says, he who loves quarrel, uh, love sin, uh, and then the second part of it that he um, John uh, pointed out was he who builds a high gate invites destruction. the The only application for us, I think, John, 
is that um, um, when you build a high gate, people are always going to be curious. Uh, it's like putting a keep off the grass sign in your lawn. The first thing you're going to find is that there's a, a path grown in it because people couldn't keep off the grass because that's our flesh. So I think what Solomon is saying is if you build a high gate, you think you're going to be protected by it, then um, the reality is going to be instead that uh, people are going to plot against you. They're going to try to find a way a way to get in and see what's being hidden behind that high wall. Um, borders are not in view here. I think anytime we, we make that kind of a stretch, we're not in good uh, on solid ground. Um, verse 14 that, that John pointed out says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Now, that's something that we could apply, John, uh, in our arguments about this wall. The truth is, you can't build a wall, I can't build a wall. Um, my my opinion would be that, that you're against the border wall based on the way you phrase your question. If I have misunderstood you, I apologize. Uh, but but my, my point is that we shouldn't be um, looking for reasons to argue with people. And our world has so devolved into... Um, uh, sort of a can you top this on social media of insults and arguing and name calling uh, and it starts at the top of our nation so um, we, we just it's better to drop a matter before we find ourselves known as arguers now this isn't what you asked John but I think this is important for the entire audience it certainly is for me we've got to pick our battles carefully as 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 Servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we should save the disputes for things that matter. There's no value in me disputing with another Christian about doctrine. There's no uh, value in me getting on Facebook and sharing my opinion with everybody. Um, but, but there are times when you're going to be talking to people and they're going to have wrong ideas about who Jesus is. And those are the times that we can talk to people. We can reason with people, not dispute with them, but reason with people. Um, too many of us are quick to quarrel. Too many of us want to win an argument. And we forget sometimes all about winning the soul. And that's really uh, our object here. The people that irritate us, John, are not the enemies of our ministry. They're the objects of our ministry. And I think we forget that. So I hope that makes sense to you. Here's a question uh, sent in anonymously. He or she says, can my marriage be saved after I committed adultery? Uh, what should I do to try to save it? Anonymous, uh, yeah, your marriage can be saved. Now, I have obviously no information except what you just wrote to me. So I don't know how grievous your, your sin was, uh, how long it's been going on, how betrayed your husband or your wife feels. Uh, but here's what I can tell you. Um, the only way that it can be saved is by you, the guilty party, turning to Jesus with all of your heart. Let him put his arms around you. Let him provide the security you need. You walk with Jesus and then your spouse will be able to see the changes in you. The changes that needed to be made. I think so often we focus on getting our spouse back instead of reconnecting with Jesus and, and getting our relationship back. So yeah, it can be saved. We have a lot of marriages in our church that actually are stronger than ever after adultery, so there's hope. But in order to do that, this answers your second question, what should I do to try to save it? Uh, accept responsibility um, when your spouse is distrustful of you uh, instead of getting angry um, realize that you earned that distrust uh, tell him or tell her how sorry you are uh, never try to, to shift the blame um, you own it uh, and then having done that um, walk with Jesus it's it's really the only thing um, your husband or your wife um, been hit in the gut um, and your job is to let Jesus heal things 
um, one of the things I always tell people in a situation like this is that uh, God knows both parties' hearts. Jesus is always saying, and his disciples, knowing what was in the hearts of men. Um, he, he knew what people thought before they thought it at times. Well, he knows whether the man or the woman who wrote this question, he knows if that person's going to get right with him. And unless this person isn't going to get right with him, then God's not going to free up the spouse to reconnect. God knows the future. He knows what we're thinking. Sometimes he knows, unfortunately, that all we want is our marriage back. Jesus says, until you want me back, nothing's going to get fixed. It's really important we understand that. So have hope and pray, but don't look to your husband or your wife. Look to Jesus because he's the one that has to restore it. You can try to put it back together, and even if you're successful temporarily, that's all it will be is temporary. If Jesus puts it back together, it will be permanent. Here is a question from, we've got a call. Oh, Mark wrote in a question. In Mark sixteen seventeen, casting out demons is mentioned. How could they cast out demons without really knowing the Lord? Um, Mark, in Mark sixteen seventeen, let me get there. Hold on. Oh, whenever I'm in a hurry, I make a I make a mistake. All these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in their tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Um, I, I don't really, I guess, Mark, understand your question because when um, you say casting out demons mentioned, um, they, they do know the Lord. Uh, that's what he's saying. Those who believe. And you go back one verse, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And by the way, verse 16 in Mark 16 doesn't um, legitimize baptismal salvation. Uh, if, if it did, it would say whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. That's not uh, what it says. And then it says these signs will accompany those who believe. So this is a commission type uh, mission. And um, uh, th- these who are going out to do these things, they're doing it because they're sent by the Lord in whom they believe. So, Mark, uh, reading that carefully, you understand that they do believe, and uh, especially in the first century church, that's what happened. Now, this is, as I think most of you know, a disputed part of Scripture. Um, the older trans, um, uh, translations have it. Uh, the newer translations um, cast doubt on its authenticity. I personally think it belongs there. Uh, I think it was sort of uh, a last-minute thought by Mark uh, and or Peter, if Peter was still dictating um, his story to to uh, to to Mark. Um, but um, there's nothing here that is contradictory. In fact, it fits very nicely with the rest of Scripture. So I believe that this belongs. Um, my NIV 1984 version says it doesn't, so does uh, the other newer versions. But it, it uh, th- we shouldn't dispute the veracity of it. You can uh, disagree that it belongs there, but the veracity of it, and these things are mentioned in other places. But remember, Mark, these who believe are the ones who are going to be doing it, and they will know the Lord. So I hope that helps. 340-9585. Here is a question from Trinity. She says, why isn't it God's will to keep people from getting sick? If he could heal and doesn't, how is that a loving God? Trinity, your view of God is, is um, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a personal way at all, so don't misunderstand, please, but it's almost childish. Um, that's sort of like, Treating God like a tooth fairy, or or um, rubbing a, a, a magic lamp and hoping a genie comes out. 
God doesn't owe us deliverance from trouble. He doesn't owe us healing. He doesn't owe us anything. Now, it's true that God could do everything, but if God healed everybody, um, I mean, how can we expect that he healed us of sin? And people get sick. That's just the way it is in the world. You know, there's some things that we don't like. But we have to accept them as fact. We live in a world where people get sick. We've got, um, just right off the top of my head, four people in our body right now, who, people that love Jesus with all of their heart. And, and they're in really, really critical condition with cancer and other things. Uh, I was just talking to um, um, a beautiful woman in, in the church before uh, I came on the air today about stomach problems that she has. And I just thought, oh, I want Jesus to fix your stomach. I'm really going to be praying. Um, but you know, God's grace is sufficient. He didn't heal the Apostle Paul, though the Apostle Paul pleaded three times with him to take away whatever his thorn in the flesh was. He didn't even protect his own son, Trinity. Now, God made things perfect. It was God's perfect will that nobody would ever be sick, that sin would never enter the world, but sin did. And because it did, the world that we live in has got all kinds of difficulties. But we need to stop thinking about God like he owes us a healing. When in fact he's already given us more than we could ever imagine. And the truth is, Trinity, we owe him. My final thought to your question, if he could heal and doesn't, how's that a loving God? The fact of God's love should never be questioned. He sent his own son. He turned his back on his own son to prove how much he loved you. Jesus was beaten, brutalized really, so that we wouldn't be. I, I don't know how much more proof anybody needs of the love of God. So Trinity, start thinking more soberly about the Lord about his goodness. If you have been poisoned, the well has been poisoned by a prosperity church, then you have to relearn who Jesus is. He's not some heavenly concierge that comes at our beck and call. He's already came. It cost God everything to send his son just for you, Trinity, the Pearl of Great Price is a parable that demonstrates that if you were the only one that ever would have believed, God still would have sent his son to die for you. So the question of God's love has to be settled in your heart and in your mind once and for all. I wish we didn't get sick. I wish we didn't age. I wish there weren't diseases in the world. But that's what happens in a fallen world. So I hope, Trinity, that gives you something to think about. Arnold wants to know, Pastor Ron, three men appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18. Who were they and what was their reason for coming? Uh, Arnold, the three men were Jesus, of course, was one of them. We know that the other two were destroying angels. Uh, the destroying angels uh, are the ones who would, would, in the next chapter, go into Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and uh, stay with Lot, and then they would um, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the great sin it was guilty of. Um, but but the, the main character, the one that spoke to Abraham, is Jesus himself in pre-incarnate appearance. The angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. And um, he came to give Abraham some instructions friend tells a friend everything. So he, he didn't want to withhold anything from Abraham. So he told him about 
the judgment that was coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. So that was their reason for coming. And uh, that's who they were. 340-9585. Here's a question from Patricia. Oh, this is a good question. She says, how can we be happy in heaven if our family members are in hell? Um, Patricia, there's so much about heaven we don't understand, but here's what we know. It's a completely different order of things. Um, Every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, only the purest, most magnificent joy. What does that mean? How could I be filled with joy if somebody I love is in hell? Well, I think what we're going to do is get a brain wipe. I really do. I I don't think there'll be anything. We'll understand the holiness of God, the fairness of God. Um, Patricia, I have uh, people in my family that I love dearly. Um, I I always tell them about Jesus. They they want me to stop, and my response is always, "I, I can't stop because I can't imagine being in heaven without you. I want to understand that the stakes are that high, that they're that serious. Uh, and yet, when I stand before the Lord, and I've had to come to grips with this um, even now, before I ever go be with the Lord, um, how, how do we cope even now knowing that people that we really love are in hell? I've got one unsaved son. He's the nicest young man. He's not a young man. He's 44 years old. But but he's he's just a really nice man. He's got a beautiful family. Um give me three beautiful grandchildren. He's just a nice guy, but he's heard that he needs Jesus. And I've got to be content knowing that God is fair and God is just. And he makes it hard for people to die apart from Christ. But he also honors our choice. I have a parent that I don't know for sure is in heaven. We've lost some people associated with the church in the last couple of years that we're not sure are in heaven. These are hard things. As a pastor, Patricia, who's done a whole bunch of funerals, I can tell you the difference is infinite between doing a funeral for a believer versus an unbeliever. So when we're in heaven, it's a whole new order of things that we can't understand and we simply won't have the memory of them any longer. 340-9585 That made me sad to even think about it. Um... We've got uh, inside four minutes now for this half of the program. We love your live calls and questions. Uh, here is a question now. I've got three minutes. Uh, let me find a three-minute question. Rudy says, Is the only evidence for Jesus found in the Bible? If he was so great, wouldn't there be other mentions of him historically? Um Rudy, you know, there's there's a lot of evidence, historical evidence, uh, for for Jesus. Um, not, certainly, the Bible and the Bible can be demonstrated to be true beyond any doubt. Um, but but there were unbelievers. Um, Josephus, the Jewish historian who is writing for Rome, uh, mentions um, the, the Christ, uh, the miracles he did. Uh, the lives that were changed, the people that were following um, in the mid-first century, or I'm sorry, in the mid-second century, there's a man named Tacitus who wrote a lot about uh, the historical Jesus. So um, there's plenty of secular um, information uh, historically about Jesus. But here's what I would ask you to do, Rudy. Examine for yourself the facts that were given in the Word. And then we don't have to answer questions like this to other people. We can simply declare what we know is true. Was Jesus a real historical person? The answer is yes, and there is both biblical and secular sources that validate that. Is his murder verifiable? 
historically? The answer is yes. Again, from secular and uh, Christian historians. And third, is there evidence for the empty tomb of Jesus Christ? And when you come to the conclusion that there's so much evidence that you can't possibly miss it unless you are purposing in your heart to miss it, then you come to the conclusion that Jesus is who he said he was, he proved he was who he said he was, and he said he was God. And when you do that, then sort of the gates will open spiritually and you will be full. So there's lots of engines of him historically. Um, just look, there's a book by William Barclay. Well, he's one of the the, the old classic masters. Um, there is um, um, a book by F.F. F. Bruce um, dealing with this subject, uh, New Testament history. Um, but but there's there's lots of information out there, Rudy. So um, you don't have to worry about whether or not uh, what we believe is true, and whether or not it's the only thing that is true. We have 30 minutes left in the Wednesday edition of the program. We'd love your live calls, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. I'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program we've got 30 minutes left to get your phone calls and questions at 340-9585 mark called back and and uh he had the wrong passage of scripture uh, early said Mark chapter 16 and those who believe knew and I went to into detail there but the passage of scripture is actually that he's asking about is actually Matthew 7 21 to 23 let me read that and that makes a lot more sense Mark so thank you for for uh, calling back with the information uh, this is Jesus speaking he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Now, his question was, how could they cast out demons? And I would add, perform miracles if, in fact, uh, they didn't know God. Well, we have to remember the Jewishness of the context here and and. Exorcism uh, in a Jewish culture was a profitable business. Um, it, it would be sort of going like going to a Benny Hinn um, event, uh, and he's knocking people over and he's pretending to cast out demons and pretending to heal people, but but it's not really happening. And um, um, imagine Jesus saying to Benny Hinn, um, um, "Not." Everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he'll say, but Lord, I had those crusades. I, I prophesied in your name and I drove out demons. I performed miracles. And Jesus will say to him, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. There's a lot of people, Mark, who pretend to know Jesus, who pretend to be spiritual. There's a lot of counterfeit works of the Holy Spirit done by people who never really knew the Lord at all. In Jesus' day, you remember when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, the nine who didn't go up the hill with Jesus, um, up the mountain with Jesus, uh, were, were arguing with the Jewish uh, religious leaders, the exorcists, about why they couldn't cast out the demon out of the, 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 the son of this father who just wanted his son to be healed. Um, there were, in the book of Acts, Jewish exorcists casting out demons in the name of the Paul, uh, the Jesus that Paul preaches, it said, in the seven sons of Siva. Uh, they weren't believers, and they really had no power, but they pretended to cast out demons. Uh, we've seen movies, um, um, The Exorcist, uh, the most famous, uh, where Catholic priests are casting out demons, uh, and and uh, um, Catholic priests, most of them aren't saved. 
And on the day when they stand before the Lord, the, the miracles, the religious services, um, the, the, the utterances of prophecy, none of that means anything if you don't know Jesus. And, and more to the point, if he doesn't know you. So um, they would go through these extensive rituals. These Jewish exorcists were, would. Uh, and like everybody else, if the demons um, quieted down, then they came back. Uh, their explanation would be, well, you just didn't believe enough or, or uh, you have to have, uh, we have to come back and do more. And it was a, a very f- lucrative way to make money. Uh, in the first century church. Do you remember uh, in the book of Acts the story of Simon the sorcerer, Mark? Uh, Simon had people so fooled they thought he was the power of God. And Simon knew that the miracles he was seeing at the hands of Philip first and then Peter and John when they came back and people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Simon the Samaritan sorcerer knew it was real. He knew his power was phony. Um, And Peter told him, basically, you try to buy the Holy Spirit with money, may your money perish with you. Uh, That's been going on from the very beginning. So uh, this isn't the validation that they actually did miracles or cast out demons or even prophesied. It's that they claimed to belong to Jesus and they were using a source of counterfeit power. So, Mark, I hope that makes, uh, answers your question. It makes a whole bunch more sense with that passage in Matthew. So thank you for calling back to correct that. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Andy. He says, uh, Jesus says that we are to love others. So why is loving someone of the same gender a sin. Well, Andy, I think you're trying to, I don't know intentionally or not, but you're trying to twist what Jesus was saying. Yeah, we're love others. But it's not loving uh, to allow somebody to live a lifestyle that's going to result in them spending eternity in hell. The loving thing is to tell the people the truth in love. And if you want to know why loving someone of the same gender sinned, because God said it was. We don't need any reason. You know, this is sort of like the argument. The guy says, well, you know, um, marijuana is an herb. It's it's natural. God grows it so I can smoke it. We know it's wrong. People that say they, they or people that drink too much. Well, you know, uh, it just calms me down. It, it's God determines who or what is right or wrong. Period. God makes the rules, Andy. And our decision is whether or not we're going to obey him. It's been that way from the beginning, right after the fall. Cain, if you do what is right, will it not go well with you? God noticed he was was upset. Why are you so downcast? If you do what is right, will it not go well with you? Andy, we don't get to reinterpret what Jesus said. We don't get to make him over in our image. Well, my God is a loving God and he loves everybody and he wouldn't say, we don't get to make those changes to the person of Jesus Christ. What we do is choose for ourselves. We had a uh, a woman in our church uh, in the not too distant past who uh, struggled with same-sex attraction. She had been involved in relationships with other women. And um, in talking to her, uh, when she came to us, she just told me, she said, you know, I got to a point where I knew I had to choose between Jesus and my girlfriend. I had to make a choice. Not that I don't still love her, not that I'm not still attracted, but I had a choice to make. And see, that's the reasonable response. It's not getting angry or pouting because God won't let you have what you want. He denies what a lot of people want because he knows it's not in our best interest. People I know that like to drink a lot. But God says no, and they have a choice to make. Heterosexual sex is the same way, Andy. So he says, well, you know, I have needs and we actually love each other. We're in a committed relationship. You've got to decide whether you're going to obey Jesus 
or do what you want to do. And make no mistake, every time we do what we want to do, willfully disobeying God, we're rejecting Him. By the way, Andy, that gives me a chance to talk just a minute about my Bible study tonight. It's amazing how God has always been trying to tell people what's going to happen if they persist in sin. And he tells people, in this case, to his people Israel, he tells them what's going to happen. And they claim to know him, to belong to him. They even go through religious rituals in observation of what they know. But they don't stop doing the wrong things. Over and over and over, a patient God, a God who is abounding in love, over and over he tells them, this is the judgment that awaits, but it doesn't have to be that way. And the three chapters I hope that I get through tonight, two, three, and four, are really setting the tone for the entire prophecy of Isaiah to come. So often I think of God saying, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. There's going to be so much pain in your life. Just last week I told somebody that if you don't stop doing what you're doing, God's not going to be mocked. If you don't stop doing what you're doing, there's going to be more pain than you can handle. And just like God's people, Israel, so I can take care. It's it's okay. God's with me. He understands. Well, that's what they convince themselves of. And one day Nebuchadnezzar shows up. The pain was more than they could bear. So, Andy, you have to decide, do you love Jesus or do you love you? And it's really what sin is. It's making a choice between you and Jesus, satisfying him or satisfying the flesh. Here is another anonymous question. Pastor Ron, I think I once heard you say that only Christians can be moral people because they believe in God. Why can't an atheist be good, a good moral person? Uh, anonymous, you didn't hear me say that. What I said was that um, there's no need for morality if there's no God. Um, I know a lot of good people. I just talked about my younger son a few moments ago. He's a good, moral guy. He's the kind of son any dad would be proud of. But he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. There are unbelievers, even some avowed atheists, who are just really decent, good people. The problem is they can't be perfect people. We can strive. Job was like no other man in the world. And even he got to the place where he said, if only there were a man between me and God, the, the, the gap is too high, uh, too great. If, if only there were a man who could reach down between heaven, reach up to heaven and reach down to me. And of course, that was a prophecy of Jesus Christ. So an atheist can be good, and even nice and moral. But they can't be perfect. I would add, Anonymous, that too often we see Christians who are trying to be good and do good, but they can't be perfect either. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he's a good teacher. Jesus stopped him right there. Why do you call me good? There's only one good, that's God. Well, this rich young ruler recognized that Jesus was the Christ. When Jesus told him what he needed to do, he was unwilling to do it, and he walked away sad. And here's the thing, Anonymous, when you find somebody who is not a believer, but they're just really a nice person, it could be a mother or father, it could be a, a grandparent, it could be somebody you work with, and you could say, but they're nice people, they help people all the time, they do good things. They can't be or do good enough. Because the standard is perfection. Now, if you think 
that that standard is too high, God's being too picky. Then you've forgotten that Jesus gave us his perfection. It was a business transaction that occurred on the cross of Calvary. He gave us his perfection, and because he did, then we are positionally perfect. Now, here on earth, we're still working out that perfection, but one day, because of the blood of Christ, we're going to stand before God perfectly without sin, judged innocent of everything we've ever done, because justice demanded the price was paid, and Jesus paid it. So you misheard or misunderstood I know some really, really good people who don't believe in God. The problem is good isn't enough. We who are Christians, too often we think that we can do good or be good. Jesus says, no, you just have to be with me. So Anonymous, I hope that straightens it out. Uh, Esther, oh Esther, you're going to get me in trouble. Uh, Pastor Ron, would you recommend AA for Christians? Uh, Esther, I said you're going to get me in trouble because every time I answer this question, uh, people get upset with me. Um, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, is not something Christians should go anywhere near. People say, but I've seen people get off of, of alcohol because of it. But, but see, the goal is not getting off alcohol. The goal is being with Jesus. And AA is a 12-step group. I always say it's 11 steps too many. Um, Much of what they teach, the foundation for what they do, is antithetical to the Scriptures. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. AA says once a drunk, always a drunk. If you keep coming to the meetings, you have to go through their steps. Well, what about the blood of Jesus Christ? And when I say this, and here's the reason I always get in trouble, and I'll get emails from this. Pastor Ron, I was helped in AA. I found Jesus. Well, that had nothing to do with AA. That was Jesus who was doing the searching. And God bless you that you found Jesus. But people get saved in heretical churches. People get saved sometimes in cults. AA is bondage, Esther. AA is bondage. You're always a slave to the meetings, you're a slave to the abuse. None of that's necessary with Jesus. So no, I would never recommend AA for Christians or for that matter for anybody else. Now I understand that AA has had some results uh, for unbelievers. Uh, Some program is better than none. Um, but the real answer can only be found in Christ. And Esther, uh, as a Christian, I'm, I'm making that assumption because you're writing into the show. We can't be convinced that the ways of this world are effective when they contradict what Jesus has told us to do in his word. So I hope that doesn't make anybody angry. It always does. But Jesus is a one-step process. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Regina wants to know what happens to kids who grew up in other religions but have never heard about Jesus. Regina, we're all accountable. Um, Jesus said He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Now, a couple of things you have to understand, Regina. Anybody who grows up in a religion acknowledging God has the responsibility to find out if the God they call God really is God. I know that makes sense. But we think, well, what about Allah? What about Buddha? What about others? Um, If he's not God, then they're responsible to find out. Now, there's evidence. There's evidence. All you have to do is be honest enough intellectually to dig in. Uh, I can talk to a Muslim. We had a regular caller on this program for a long time. I haven't heard from him for probably a year, but uh, he was a Muslim, 
and uh, a, a, a very, very nice, respectful man. But he didn't want to look at the claim to be God objectively. I can categorically say that Jesus Christ proved he was God. Why? They killed him. He didn't stay dead. If this man Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit changed the world as nobody else ever has. Salvation was given to us as a free gift. No other religious God offers that. We've got to do things. And so everybody who hears about God has the responsibility to find out if the God they worship really is God. We just had a question about AA, Regina, and um, you know, AA says your higher power can be anything you want it to be. But but see, it's not God. Jesus alone demonstrated beyond any doubt, reasonable or otherwise, that he really was God. He walked this earth, he became one of us. No other God can make that claim. So there's nobody innocent is my point. Secondly, Regina, um, almost nobody has not heard about Jesus in the world that we live in. Romans chapter 1 talks about the circumstances for uh, people that may not have heard about Jesus then, and there are still a few in our world who are unreached. But God gave us creation that declares who he is, declares his glory. Heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language where they're not understood. And because of that, they're without excuse. Conscience is another way we know or can know God. When we do something that we know is wrong, we know it's wrong, that's proof that God's at work in us. The law of Moses reveals the character of God. And here's what we got to understand, Regina. Anybody, everybody, who is truly, with all their hearts, seeking God, every Muslim, every Buddhist, every Hindu, who really wants to know who this God is, if they're sincere and they're genuine in that desire, God will reveal himself to him. The Ethiopian eunuch, God sent him a prophet supernaturally, an evangelist. There's nobody who wants to be found by God who won't be found. What they have to do is they have to sincerely want to know. Um, if your question, Regina, is primarily about children, kids, um, there's an age of accountability. We don't know what that is, but God does. And he's just and he's fair. But make no mistake, everybody who wants to know about God, our Jesus will be revealed to them. We are in our last few minutes here, I guess. Boy, this half hour has gone quickly, even without phone calls. Margaret says, Pastor Ron, should I give my offerings to my local church or can I spread it out or, I'm sorry, can I spread it around to other ministries like yours? Margaret, I think you should give it all to us. Now, I'm just kidding. Um, your offering should go to your local church. If you have more that you want to give, then let the Lord lead. Sometimes it's to help people. Um, sometimes it's to give to ministries that are blessing you. But but make no mistake, everybody should be giving first and foremost to their local church. And that's where you're fed. That's where opportunities to serve are. Um, I know people don't like talking about it, but churches cost money to run. Um, um, radio time costs money, a lot of it. Uh, so if you're being blessed, yeah, spread it around. But always begin or you're fed. Always begin in your own home. It would be like saying, um, you know, I, I've got to feed my family. Um, we have some needs in our home, so I, I want to be able to provide for my family. But instead, I'm going to go give it to my neighbors. Um, your church is your family. 
And it's really important we understand that and treasure what our local churches provide for us. So that's my counsel, Margaret. Thank you for asking, and I appreciate your heart. Uh, You don't know it, but you just got a reward in heaven for even wanting to give to a ministry like ours. Uh, Here's the last question I'll take today. Uh, It comes in anonymously. Uh, Another blood moon passed and nothing happened. When will pastors stop teaching this nonsense? Anonymous, I wish I knew. Let me ask you a question. When will people in the churches listening to them stop listening? This is such silliness, and we've gone through so many times. Books are written about it, and people buy the books, and there's series preached on it, and it's just nonsense. And the blood moons that everybody was so hyped over a year or two ago, um, they're not a sign of anything for those of us who are in Christ. What they're a sign of is judgment coming when we who are in Christ have been raptured away. The blood moon, Joel chapters 1, 2, 3, read that it's the signs and wonders. All of the discourse, Jesus talks about what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. So for us to think of blood moons means anything for Christians is nonsensical. We shouldn't be looking for signs and wonders. We should be looking for Jesus. And one day all of those signs and wonders will come to pass. Hey, appreciate you tuning in today. Tomorrow, Paula will be live in the studio with me on the date edition of the program. I appreciate more than you know you tuning in on a daily basis. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be here tomorrow on AM 630 The Word at 4 o'clock. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.